Hello everyone and thank you all for coming back to the exchange. We're here in London for the very for the second day of the very first edition of Hard Fork Decentralized. And with me I've got a couple of media representatives. We've got Jemima from the Financial Times, June from Coindesk and Margarita from Binary District. And today we're gonna be discussing some of the most common misconceptions and myths floating around in the blockchain space. Uh, but before we get into that, I was hoping all of you can give me a little bit of an intro, a little bit of an idea of what your background is, and what your media and what your publication tends to do, what you focus on, and yeah. yeah cool. Hi everyone. I'm Jemima. Um, so I was uh, at Reuters for a few years, and I was working as a FX correspondent and got into Bitcoin and blockchain through that. So it was a bit of a kind of accidental falling, stumbling into crypto, which probably most people did. Um, I um, was a, I then came to the Financial Times in April, where I write for FT Alphaville, um, which is a blog where we take quite a uh, irreverent, often provocative, often sarcastic uh, take um, on, on um, financial matters and I spend quite a lot of my time focusing on crypto. Um, so that's just a bit of background. It's a very, very different thing doing what I'm doing now at Alphaville, which is um, being quite skeptical, putting a lot of my own opinion in. At Reuters, it was very much factual reporting, definitely not putting your own opinion in. If you wanted to put your opinion in, you had to like find someone else to say it, <laughs> which is a secret trick. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about my background. Yeah, Alphaville, some of the most entertaining takedowns of, uh, of, th of this industry. Um, I'm June, I'm with uh, Coindesk, I'm on the business side, um, but that was quite a recent transition. Um, previously I was a reporter, so I've been covering the space since 2013, uh, first at Coindesk and then at Quartz uh, in, in, in the London Bureau. Um, I look after all the, currently I look after all the programming for our uh, events, so Consensus for example in May next year. Um, which I'm kind of deep in the weeds on at the moment. I think my story is pretty close to Jemima's, like I just bumped into cryptocurrency space. Um, I'm actually a PhD student uh, doing PhD in journalism in Finland and uh, at the same time as uh, Finland is very well known for new technologies, I just started writing, contributing uh, uh, to Business Insider and other publications about IT and, and so forth, and I thought I might find some something else uh, to, to to write about. And then there was this blockchain, and then there was Coin Telegraph, where I was uh, a managing editor. And after a while, I realized like that basically what we were writing in the editorial just the same things, just following the same cliches, talking about the technology, about the cryptocurrency, and just contributing to the bubble. So I th I was thinking like, where is the technology <laughs> in what we are actually writing? Uh, and I decided to take a completely different uh, side. I, I kind of ran to development and research pretty hardcore tech uh, approach uh, to talking about not only blockchain, but as it's just like one of the elements yeah, uh, of the kind of infrastructure elements. So nowadays uh, I'm also focusing on IT and uh, uh, artificial intelligence and big data is kind of, and of course cybersecurity because we're speaking about digital data. So it's kind of all coming together and uh, we started and uh, this experiment called Binary District Journal. We don't do news, uh, we try to take things slow, we only use first-hand information and trying to figure out where the technology is developing in wh what can be, uh, 
what we can do to actually help uh, see use cases, implementations, and so forth. So that's how I ended up being in Binary District Journal. So it seems that we've got a pretty interesting mix of different publications and different focuses on what you guys do. Uh, the Financial Times obviously comes from a financial background, then Coindesk was created specifically for covering cryptocurrency and blockchain, and you guys uh, are also focusing on cryptocurrency and blockchain, but you take a different approach, you focus more on working with researchers and breaking down difficult concepts, and I was wondering how, how do you usually approach those, those how do you usually go about do researching projects and then taking certain angles with stories, and does that compare to your how does that compare to your previous jobs or the previous the previous topics that you used to engage with? So, for example, you used to, you said that you used to cover finance uh, matters. Yeah. How have you had to adjust in your in your day to day activities since you've moved to covering blockchain? Well, I guess one thing is that when you're covering traditional finance, everything supposedly is kind of out there for us to for us to find, right? So, if if someone um, tells you something about a certain um, share or a certain company or whatever, you, you should be able to know if they have a kind of vested interest in that, for example. With crypto, it's quite difficult to know who's kind of, actually it's often quite easy because people are being very bullish and then you might suspect that, um, that they actually have, a, have an interest in kind of shilling the price of a, <laughs> a coin or whatever. So I guess that's one difficulty because everything's unregulated, the normal places that you find information aren't actually there. So I guess that's one difference. Um, and another, di another challenge and difference for someone like me who comes from a completely um, non-technical, technological background is that you obviously don't really fully understand, especially at the start, what you're being told, <laughs> to be honest. So when I first started covering Bitcoin at Reuters, I mean, I didn't even know what what it was, you know. So I had to start right from the beginning. And obviously, the kind of experts that you meet, um, you kind of put in Bitcoin into Google. I mean, that's literally what I did. I put Bitcoin into Google. The Bitcoin Foundation came up, and I met the Bitcoin Foundation's representative, Helen Disney, at the time. Um, and that was my first Bitcoin meeting. And then she put me in touch with various other people. But at the start, you're meeting people who are associated with that, and therefore, again, probably have some sort of interest in kind of um, that working out somehow. So you're getting quite a positive narrative. And when you don't really understand something, it's quite difficult to challenge that. So I think as you get to cover it more and more, and you start to understand some of the technology, I mean, like, I can't, I'm not, I can't write code, but I feel like I can kind of navigate it now. Um, it becomes easier to decipher when you're being told BS and <laughs> when you're not. So I guess that's some of the differences. Yeah, and for June, I guess it would be a little bit more different because you used to be a journalist and now you're just, uh, you're working on consensus, on consensus, which is Coinbase's, uh, Coindesk's uh, flagship conference. How does that, how, how, how different is it to work as a journalist and then move to programming content for a, conf uh, for a conference based on blockchain? Sure, I mean, <clears throat> so I think the approach we take with, uh, with a consensus conference is to be, to apply a lot of journalistic principles to it, right? Um, we're programming a conference that is uh, 
not meant to simply boost the industry because in the long term there's not much benefit in that uh, we're trying to create a dialogue between the various stakeholders in this industry and and this industry however you want to define it has lots of fractious groups so actually getting all these people into one room for a number of days is 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 not an easy thing to do um, so I started the first consensus conference in 2015 I remember you know, that year, Bitcoin was $250. Actually, one of my old articles recently got a huge traffic spike because somebody tweeted it, and the headline was, Bitcoin falls below $250. And people were going nuts, thinking <laughs> that's what's going on right now. But anyway, that was 2015. And, you know, I remember we got DOJ was there, U.S. Treasury. Uh, FBI was really into Bitcoin at the time. But also, so were the banks, who for the first time had e kind of emerged from the back rooms and re revealed that they're working on these blockchain things. And so were Bitcoin core people. Vitalik Buterin was there promoting this new project called Ethereum at the time. So, you know, those people had never been in a room together. So our job is to really create the space for that dialogue to take place. And, and we try to do it by applying a lot of kind of journalistic um, ideas to it. Do you have any specific question or? <laughs> no, just let it? me know how, how you approach, you know, going about blockchain and, and, and how that has been, some of the challenges you, you encounter when you go mm -hmm. about that and then how you go about solving them. Mm. Because you also, with Binary District, you cover different topics in terms of technology, but it seems that blockchain is the overwhelming topic that crops up? Yeah, I guess it partially related to the fact that blockchain was kind of the main technology creating buzz last year. It being like uh, the word uh, of the year of the economic World Economic Forum. So there was so much interest. And uh, uh, as Jun mentioned, like I joined uh, this pace <laughs> uh, in 2016. So it was this period when Bitcoin was $100 only. So basically, uh, being part of the cryptocurrency publication, I went along the way with Bitcoin <laughs> uh, up to $20,000, uh, and that's where I dropped <laughs> and joined another side of the technology. Uh, so what I witnessed when I was a managing editor, how how much cryptocurrency space is about communities. For example, if you write about Bitcoin, you can see like so many people jumping into comments and saying, okay, you know nothing about it, like Bitcoin is going to the moon. <laughs> then uh, if you write about Ripple, then you say Ripple is like, mm -hmm -hmm. so uh, join by only Bitcoin. If you uh, write about something else, like why are you ignoring these two cryptocurrencies? And there are like 500 cryptocurrencies that you can't cover everything and give attention to each particular community, each particular technology, or ideas behind them. So it was really complicated. ICOs complicated things even more. So you were just literally attacked. <laughs> you should write about this because we have this amazing idea. So working with experts became like extremely um, important. So what is it behind your technology? So you had to do a lot of due diligence. So it was not only uh, about uh, Vitalik's uh, ideas. Yeah, like at least they're research-based. Yeah, so they have a very good team of developers and researchers behind the technology and cryptocurrency. And Bitcoin, more or less anonymous. <laughs> so who is uh, the developers and researchers? Uh, uh, so we can't actually have conversation about. So of course, like there are some fork forks and so forth. So anyway, uh, how I tried to approach uh, uh, speaking about blockchain uh, when I joined the research and development side was, so first, who are the experts? We decided to focus on research and developers. 
but they are also completely different. <laughs> they have all completely different approaches and ideas, even contradictory. So we decided, okay, we'll put them all together. So we'll have events, for example, that we had in London, and uh, they can argue. We, we can put Peter Todd together with Gun and <laughs> let them be together in one space and see what happens. <laughs> they can have uh, conversations. They can have Twitter fights. So that's fine. Like that's that that's part of the development. And I guess that's the way we are going to continue to go. The only problem that uh, I still need to figure out uh, with our stories is we also want to make them approachable, like understandable for a regular audience. But uh, technology is not what the uh, maybe general public is interested in. So cryptocurrencies are more fun, right? So you can ride this wave, you can become a crypto millionaire. Like there are some cool stories to tell. But what do you tell about the technology? Like it has problems. <laughs> no one wants to hear about the problems. Everyone wants to see how, how blockchain is going to save the world, which is not going to do probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so th this is the challenge so far is like, how do we speak to the general audience and not like putting them to sleep? <laughs> yeah, I think you actually touched on something that I wanted to discuss and that is that there's a common myth within the blockchain space that the technology can basically improve everything. And it, it's almost like the, the, the lingo that goes around is that it's a silver bullet for, you know, it solves every problem. But in reality, it's not quite the case. And I had a discussion with my colleague David yesterday on the stream. We were talking about how uh, we were discussing another colleague's piece and Matthew Beatham wrote, wrote something about, basically the main concept of that piece was that most of these companies are selling visions and not necessarily technology. And in, on that note, I was wondering what are some of the, well, some of the myths that you most common get pitched by, by companies and how do you go about basically explaining why that's not the case? And uh, how do you feel, how do you, do you feel that you have that responsibility to go and, and, and basically identify when someone is telling you something misleading and then inform the readers that, inform the readers about what the real situation is? Yeah, I think a red flag for me is when I get um, an email saying this is the world's first something, which is most, <laughs> which is most crypto slash blockchain emails. Like I've had like two of those today. Like I literally. can confirm. Sorry. I can, can confirm. confirm yeah. So um, yes, that's a red flag. So as soon as someone starts telling me that they're the world's first something, it's like they have the opposite effect to the one that they wanted because I automatically think, well. This is nonsense. You're either trying to scam people or you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Even if, obviously, sometimes it is the world's first something. But um, my uh, experience has taught me that people who are talking in that kind of way are normally full of hot air. Um, so I guess, I guess, yeah. So because at Alphaville, Alphaville is quite different to the rest of the Financial Times. For a start, we're free. So if anyone wants to become a... Alphaville reader, then you don't have to pay. Um, but also, um, our job is to be a bit more provocative and to kind of poke poke around a bit more. Um, so sometimes I write for the for the main FT or for the magazine or for other parts of the FT, and that's quite a different thing because then you're you are being a bit more balanced. Whereas we're not even trying to necessarily be. I mean, obviously we want to be fair and we want to show. It's no good just showing like one side of of anything. But we, we don't have a kind of responsibility to um, kind of, you know, push a kind of very safe line. We can kind of go quite far. So, yeah, I think, I guess I do feel a responsibility to tell readers that um, a lot of these projects are, you know, not what they're 
saying they are. Um, and I think that is one of the main challenges because obviously um, there's so much... I mean, also because other media just often put out like what the press release is. So we were actually discussing um, this primal base, which is this um, co-working space in the city that um, said it was the first blockchain-enabled co-working space in London. Well, that's what the press release said. Um, and then you kind of dig into it and you find out that it's not actually blockchain enabled in any sense of the term. Like there's, there's not, it's just a co-working space. And the thing that links it to the blockchain is that, uh, or what well, that did at that time was that they'd done an ICO and that the people who were, to were token holders were then able to, to buy a, were then given a life, lifetime membership. So that's the kind of thing that you kind of, you, I feel a responsibility to counteract some of the other press, which is going and writing up that press release as if, as if the person writing the press release is going to be writing the full truth. Like, that's never the case. Especially in the crypto blockchain world, because there's quite a lot of um, immaturity. The, 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 the blockchain and crypto world is still quite young, and some of the PRs that they're using are, not in that case, actually, but some of the PRs they're using are quite inexperienced. Um, but nevertheless, the press treats them as if it's any other press release, and that's, so I think that's one of the one of the things I do feel is a kind of important thing to kind of counteract. I absolutely agree, and that's, mm, I think it's also Hardfork takes a similar approach quite often, and it's, it feels oftentimes that it's a very ungrateful task. Yes. Because you get attacked too much, uh, there's a lot of enthusiasts in the space that just want to read the positive things, mm. but yeah, thank you for doing that. Well, that's <laughs> the other thing, actually. The, the other thing that, that has the exact opposite effect to what the one that's intended is when people start to like threaten me, and we discussed IOTA, which was um, this token that has lost about 90% of its value since I wrote about it. Not that it was me, but um, <laughs> um, the, the guy, when I started asking uncomfortable questions, became really like aggressive towards me, like not physically aggressive, but in, the, in his tone. Um, and other people started being threatening. And that's, I always think if you're going to threaten journalists, if you're gonna, that's like a really bad target, because <laughs> unless they write for someone who's who has some vested interest in like not saying anything bad about this person or company, they're going to write about you. So that's, that's another thing. If, if someone's going to threaten me, then bad, bad move. I agree. Uh, red flags, and you know, I mean, I'm just speaking from personal experience um, and, and, and not the kind of Coindesk uh, editorial policy because we maintain a strict firewall between business and editorial. Um, but Actually, one thing that really gets my goat is, and is a red flag usually, is projects that come with a technical pitch. And the pitch is, uh, this is a chain with the most you know, transactions per second. This, chain, you know, this is like 50x of what Ethereum can handle, and, and et cetera. Um, I think those kinds of pitches usually, and, and those people are usually extremely, they're completely convinced that this thing is going to change everything, right? But it's really a kind of mismatch between the supply and demand equation here, where they're supplying something where there may or may not be any demand for. I mean, we hardly ever hit the cap, transaction cap, on Ethereum or Bitcoin anyway. Um, so the issue is not really scaling these blockchains, right? It's on the demand side of the equation right now that there's an issue, scaling up the demand. Um, but anyway, so I think like those sorts of pitches tend to be, um, tend to be extremely tricky to, to want to write about because then the claims that they make, it, 
are usually quite hard to prove or disprove. There's no peer review. There's no, like, who are you going to ask to, like, verify those claims? And so on and so forth. And you, you often end up in a back and forth with these projects of, like, them claiming one thing, us trying to verify something, and uh, there's no good way, there's no good middle ground to actually verify the, the truth of their claims. Uh, I think I will just uh, pick from uh, where we started with, with Jemima saying like when you join the crypto space you try to get to know people and to understand who is who so basically now that uh, when I get uh, some some story pitches uh, I already have some kind of an opinion yeah from my experience through um, insights that I get from the community directly uh, what makes sense and what just doesn't make sense so something's just not going to work on me anymore if you use the same cliches again and again. The first ever <laughs> going to do this and that. So I just look at the uh, maybe very practical cases. Uh, I also look, oh, well, in a way, community. If you have a community around your project, uh, that's what we are trying to build with Binary District. It serves for us, as we have research and developers in involved, uh, it w works for us as peer review. So that's why we have physical events, like offline events, and then online stories. Because in this combination, we can see who is who uh, and who actually produces some, produce some knowledge. So what we appreciate uh, in those pictures or stories that, that come to us is whether there is any particular knowledge, something new, something applicable, something that can contribute to the current uh, development of the technology. So, and only in this case it's valuable for us, even if it is a startup, it can be anything. It can be a, a big company like IBM, if they're, again, uh, doing something valuable, not, not just marketing uh, features. So, that's pretty much uh, what we're trying to do. So, it seems that everyone seems to have an opinion of what journalism should be about these days, especially when we talk about fake news and in the crypto community, fear, uncertainty and doubt, and then fear of missing out. And for our final question, I was wondering if you can sum up your own idea of how we should do journalism in the blockchain space and what our responsibility is as reporters and media representatives. Um, I think journalism, to quote a famous man, is, um, and I'm going to get the quote wrong, but it's something like, <laughs> journalism is printing, not printing anymore, um, but journalism is writing, publishing, um, something that someone else doesn't want to be printed. Everything else is PR. So that has been quite an important mantra for me at Alphaville, actually, because sometimes I am writing quite critical things about real people who I've spoken to and met, and I actually feel quite bad sometimes, and it's quite difficult because I think your project is rubbish. You don't realize that. You mean well but I'm not gonna go and tell people that it's good if it's not, and I don't think that you should be taking people's money for this project. So that's actually um, quite a challenge for me on a personal level, is sometimes writing that, and I always have to remember that quote. It was attributed to George Orwell, but maybe wrongly, so someone said it, maybe George Orwell. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of what journalism should be. We need to scrutinize people. We, we mustn't just write up press releases as if, as I said before, the, the author of that press release doesn't have a massive incentive in you writing the story as the press release presents it. Like, it's, that's, that's obviously not going to be the full truth. Um, so, that's, so that's one thing. That's kind of the, the broad thing. And in blockchain in particular, I don't have much belief in blockchain. Sorry, everyone. So for me, it's about like unpicking where the kind of flaws are in the whole thinking and actually 
I still don't think we even all know what blockchain is. Is it a technology? Is it a ledger? Is it a ledger system? Is it an idea? Is it, is it tamper-proof or can you tamper with it? I mean, like, literally, there is no agreed definition. So I think that's probably a big challenge in blockchain journalism. Yeah, I mean, I agree. <clears throat> I think um, I'd like to see a lot more adversarial uh, journalism in the space, so much less you know, kind of buttering up projects uh, in the hope of getting more access uh, and that sort of stuff. Um, but, then, but then on a broader level, I think on the, on the reporting side of things, I'd like to see a lot of new, new techniques used in terms of sourcing and in terms of um, understanding a story. So I think one of the issues with this space is things are so distributed. It's very hard to use traditional business or financial reporting techniques to tell the story. For example, there's no earnings season. There, there are no earnings reports. There's no CEO, right? Um, so I think uh, doing things, and which we've, we have done in Coin, at Coindesk, we have editorial policies around this, um, doing sourcing. We, we treat cyberspace, you know, the online world, as a real place, right? Reddit is a real place. Telegram groups are real places with real sources. And you should go to those places and develop those sources there. Yes, they will have strange, not real names, etc. But we have to uh, change our mindset around what is an acceptable and not acceptable source. Uh, that's not to say we accept what they say uncritically. That's to say we, we, we take Delete. them in as an input, right? Yeah. So um, I, think, I think there's very interesting challenges because of the, the structure of this industry uh, that challenges kind of orthodox um, business and financial reporting, especially on the, on, the, on the sourcing side of things. I think that was very well put, especially the part about the different sources. Uh, it's something we've been trying to do as well, and sometimes it feels that you can definitely use Telegram as a lead, and then you have to go and corroborate that. But it seems like uh, it's the place where blockchain information is disseminated, especially between communities, so it does make perfect sense. Yeah, again, I would like to pick up where <laughs> 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 Jumar left it. Uh, uh, I do agree that uh, journalists had to do the job and scrutinize and analyze and dig information out and talk to people and be m more integrated probably in the communities, in, in the stories. Uh, but uh, with one uh, kind of difference that I would like to give more PR to researchers and developers. <laughs> I think they are the people that actually need to, to, to do the talking, not uh, the marketing people that probably just add lots of cliche words and buzzwords to sell it, but to actually explain, learn to do that. That's why, for example, uh, we try to find those developers and researchers that can write, that can give good presentations, and trying to maybe inspire the, uh, it as a trend among academic community and development community. So you need to kind of leave the online space uh, and come, come into the light. Uh, that's uh, one approach. Another approach uh, as uh, maybe close to ethic codes in journalism that, uh, that is kind of changing the direction of slow news and away from lazy journalism that inspires lots of editorials and, and, and so forth. So w 
that's why we decided to get uh, rid of uh, old news in, in our publication because you need to verify so many things. You need to kind of spend time to talk and find the right sources. And experts are very slow things to, <laughs> to communicate to, to get the right comments and then improve all the comments. So it's, 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 a, it's a long story. Uh, and uh, what I mean by lazy journalism, it's again like when you take the press release or you take the story and just eat it and kind of digest it <laughs> in the form of an article. So what we have to do probably is to be more proactive, be more integrated, listen to people, provide insights, new information, and that would probably make it more valuable as a source of information. And on that note, I think we're going to close this session. Thank you all for joining us. And to all journalists out there, please stick to the truth. Don't do PR for the PRs.